Uh, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. Today is uh, May 18th, and it's a uh, happy Monday for some. Um, and I have a opportunity to interview a harbor commissioner, Sabrina Brennan. Uh, Sabrina was born in New Orleans and grew up on the on the Gulf. And uh, in 1993, she decided to move to Northern California after receiving a BFA in photography from uh, an Atlanta College of Art at the uh, Woodruff Center. Sabrina's interest includes public service. Um, I've known Sabrina for a few years, and I know what she has done in the community. She likes sailing. She likes snowboarding, mountain biking, surfing, gardening, photography. She's an advocate for women's rights. Um, she was uh, instrumental in making sure on the Mavericks that women were included in part of the permit pro- process. Uh, she's truly a fighter for people of all backgrounds, all races, all colors, all genders. Um, just so you guys have a little understanding of the Harbor Commission to some people out there in the audience, because a lot of people wonder, what do they do in the Harbor Commission? Uh, well, their mission is, as the public, is to provide a clean, safe, and well-managed and financially sound and environmentally pleasant marinas. Um, Sabrina ran in 2010, was not fortunate enough to uh, get on, but she ran again in 2012, and has been serving since 2013 on, on the uh, Harbor Commission. Um, she's also an owner of her own company that she started in 1998 called Digital Fusion Media. She manages a highly skilled production team of image editors, technicians, fabricators, and installers from California to Chicago, Las Vegas, and New York and beyond. Welcome, Sabrina. How are you today? Hi. Thank you so much for inviting me to participate today. I really appreciate it. Well, you know, I, I spent some time listening uh, to some of the Harvard Commission meetings, and boy, I share, they were sure involved. I did have an opportunity uh, to listen to the one on April 15th in 2020. Um, I encourage all the listeners to go out there and visit Sabrina's website, uh, not only for her company, Digital Fusion Media, but also her own personal website, which talks about her passion uh, for the community, for the fishermen, for the restaurant owners, for the people on the coast, for the environmentalists, for the Sierra Club. She's truly a, um, um, a fighter for the people. And the reason why we um, wanted to have an opportunity to interview Sabrina is it, it's been a little controversial. Um, as we all know, well before Sabrina got on the, uh, on the uh, Harbor Commission, uh, the Harbor Commission hadn't not had a woman on the board. Uh, is that true? Uh, there was not a woman that is, I think you broke the glass ceiling, so to speak? Well, actually, no, there was, um, there were a couple of women on the board, but um, it was, it was a bit before my time. The first woman, I think, eventually wound up serving on the Half Moon Bay City Council. And I kind of recall speaking to her when I first ran, um, having like a phone conversation with her. And I think at the time she might've been living in Menlo park. Um, not sure if she's still with us. And then, um, more recently, Sally Campbell served on the commission and she was quite a character and she actually, um, she's passed away, but she used to live, uh, in my neighborhood, more or less, not far from, from my house. Um, I was, you know, I do recall. Yeah. Do I do recall her? Sally. Cause that's, 
Yeah, because Sally actually was a realtor. She was, or, uh, yeah. And before yeah, that, she was a realtor. Yeah, she was a realtor, and before that, um, what I thought was interesting was she worked in printing, and so we actually had that in common because uh, my company does a lot of. Uh, we I do signage and graphics and. Uh, my background is in, in printing, and so we talked about that um, when we had conversations. Yeah, so that was her background. She was, you know, always ran her own business and and whatnot. But, um, yeah, so she, um, she served with uh, all men um, on the board, and then she passed away. And then when I got elected, I was actually serving with the same group of, of gentlemen that she was serving with. Um, so that was, that was sort of how I got my start on the commission. And these were commissioners who had been on the board, some of them for like 20 years. Um, so their, their tenure went way back and, um, they had a, a close relationship with the general manager at the time, um, Peter Grinnell. And it was, uh, yeah, it was sort of like, um, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, coming in as somebody in their 40s and serving on a board with uh, people who've been serving for up to 20 years and um, have long history of public service and a certain way of doing things, um, it was definitely a challenging culture for me. Yeah, I, I could I could see. Right. Right, I could see definitely being a challenge, especially for the good old boys club and you're a young young female that's coming in there to, and has some really good ideas, and maybe they, they probably are so used to doing it their way, so to speak, that it was hard for them to listen to you. Yeah, there was, there was a good fair amount of that, and then there was also some sort of entrenched um, homophobia that uh, was sort of part of that past way of doing things. And that was, um, that was really interesting because suddenly there wasn't just one um, gay person on the board. There were now two um, because Robert Bernardo got elected in 2010, a couple years before I did. And he was the first um, gay person to serve on the Harbor Commission. And when he first started serving, he wasn't out, but he came out during his service. Um, And then I got elected and I was, certainly the first out lesbian, if not the first lesbian to serve on the Harbor Commission and possibly the first out lesbian to serve countywide in San Mateo County. I I can't, I don't know the history of the county well enough to say for sure, but I'm guessing that I probably was. Um, If somebody knows better, let me know. Right. How many, how many women are currently serving on the board besides yourself? So, Right now we have three women serving on the board and we have two men. It's a five-member board, so times have changed. Um, We have uh, Commissioner Virginia Chang Corrali, who serves um, simultaneously on the, obviously, the Harbor Commission as well as the Menlo Park Fire Protection District. And then we have um, the newer Commissioner um, Nancy Raring, who uh, previously served on, I believe it's the Woodside Planning Commission. Well, that's great to see that uh, uh, much more diverse um, 
uh, board there too. Um, can you give us some highlights of what you felt you so far? You've been serving since 2013. Um, can you give us a few of your highlights that you were very proud of that you were instrumental in working with the commissioners to uh, to get approved? Well, um, yeah, I'll talk about some recent stuff um, because you know there's a lot to cover having been on the board for getting close to eight years now. Um, one of the things that happened last year was um, something that I've been really working hard to to create since I first got elected, um, and that was a uh, safety training that was offered to members of the public as well as to emergency responders. Um, so we held um, what was called the uh, Big Wave, um, uh, well, I'll just name the organization that put it to help helped us put it together. And that was the big wave risk assessment group, or they're also known as BRAG and they're based in Hawaii. And so they helped us put together the half moon Bay safety summit, which was held at the Oceana hotel in um, El Granada near pillar point Harbor. And we put together what was a three day safety training. The first day was for emergency responders only where they could all get together, network and um, kind of compare notes on different ways of doing things and run through different scenarios and, and so forth. Um, and we had the Coast Guard there as well and they brought their one of their um, helicopters and did a little um, sort of hands-on uh, training. And that was excellent. And then we had two days of public training and the interest level in this was off the charts. We had a waiting list. We had people calling, emailing, wanting to get in. There was not enough room, unfortunately, for everybody, um, but we had no problem filling it and there's clearly a need. Um, so this training brought in some of the best um, big wave surfers and emergency responding trainers in the world. And when did this, when did, when did this, what was the date on this again? So this was um, October of 2019. So last fall. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it was really, really fun. And um, you know, we had women as trainers training people in sort of advanced level CPR training and, we had all the, this great equipment so you could test yourself and see how well you were uh, performing during the trainings. Um, and it was very uh, technical, and yet it was also approachable for people that were beginner surfers all the way to advanced and big wave surfers. So it really covered the full gamut. And we had people there that kayak, uh, triathletes who swim, you know, anybody that needs to know about ocean safety was um, the perfect fit for attending this particular uh, training. And, you know, it was, it was just really fantastic. A very good vibe. Um, we had Greg was around, a, Right. Was this around the time I think we had the high waves and we had to uh, kind of work something out to protect? I think we had uh, an accident. Was that in the same year that we had that accident with the... Uh, people in the reviewing stands or whatever it was to for the Mavericks? That was in twenty yeah, that was in twenty ten. So that happened in twenty ten. Okay. It's funny you, wow. yeah, it's funny you bring bring that up because that that incident where um 
we had the waves overtopping the breakwater, which was, you know, on the day that a Mavericks competition was called on it. And of course, everybody had their video going on their iPhones or whatever, and they were mm. capturing the footage and it just went, you know, viral. But, um, yeah, when that happened, um, it, it, I wouldn't say it's, that unexpected. I mean, we do know that waves overtop that area and we do have warning signage there letting the public know. But um, anyway, I don't want to get too off topic here. No, Let's no problem. No problem. <laughs> things happen that probably shouldn't have happened. And, and that is, that, that's a great example of why we need to have this co coordinated effort among all the emergency responders and also educating the public on how to rescue um, because you never know when something might happen. And the more people you have trained to respond, the more likelihood that you're going to have people survive an incident. And so the whole idea is just to get as many people trained as possible so that no matter where you are at a beach, the likelihood of someone knowing CPR and being able to respond um, to your situation, you know, that they're, they're there and, and able to, to get on it. Well, I think you know, a lot of people just resist like doing anything cause they're, they're afraid of messing up. And so this kind of gets you over that fear. Well, and you know, now with the COVID-19, we, we've got to be even more prepared uh, for emergencies, whether it's uh, a cleanliness or safety or hospital or respirators or whatever we, we, we come across. I know your your term is coming kind of to an end. You've got about seven months left, and um, obviously, um, as mentioned, uh, it's a district election. So you you are going to is it, you're going to be termed out, or is it that you won't be able to run for that district? So um, yeah, I'm glad you asked about that. We are transitioning from at large elections to district based elections. So the two times that I've run and and won a seat on the board. I've run in, well, I guess all three times I've run, um, I run in an at-large election, which, as you can imagine, is extremely expensive. Um, to, to try to get the word out to the entire county is, is very costly, especially for somebody who's just trying to bootstrap it and has a very limited um, budget for campaigning. So it's been an incredible challenge. Um, so the great news is that by transitioning to district-based elections, candidates um, won't have to be wealthy or dip into their savings or, you know, basically harm themselves financially to be able to run for the seat. Um, so it's going to be a lot less money to run now. Well, no, I, I'm excited about that. I, I'm excited about that. I know I have a little experience running for office, too, myself, but... Uh, Maybe uh, this this new venture with podcasts by the bay is going to be much more advantageous for me. Um, I wanted to kind of lead into uh, um, the April fifteenth meeting, which went kind of viral on the news, and it went. But before we go into the meeting on the April fifteenth, if you could give us a little highlighted version of what brought you to that point at the meeting of of being upset and them not listening to what you were trying to convey. I think you were con trying to convey um, um, a good message, but unfortunately, that good message wasn't getting wasn't well received. So, for the audience out there that that only probably saw the viral Channel Seven or the uh, the board board meeting itself, explain what what has transpired to lead up to this um, April fifteenth meeting. Oh, thanks. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, 
So um, the background is that, um, sadly, I was sexually harassed and retaliated against by a fellow commissioner on the board. Um, it started uh, before he was elected. So it started um, back in 2015, or maybe it was 20, actually it was 2014 when it first started. Um, and then it just kind of escalated from there and, and transitioned eventually from sexual harassment and gender harassment and sexual orientation harassment to just retaliation, which is kind of where I'm at with it right now. Um, I reported it and I reported it to the Harbor District's general manager in 2017. I also reported it to Supervisor Don Horsley, um, as did another uh, employee of the Harbor District who had also experienced sexual harassment while working for the district as a bookkeeper. So she also reported her um, experience to uh, Supervisor Horsley as well as her general manager at the time. Um, so that happened, I believe that was in 2018. And uh, the upshot of it is that sometimes coming forward about sexual harassment and retaliation is doesn't have a lot of rewards. Um, you know, it's kind of a thankless task to to uh, be transparent about it. And I felt at the time that I came forward that it was the right thing to do and that it needed, you know, just needed to be talked about. And so I brought it up. Um, sadly, there were, there were not any positive uh, repercussions from, you know, my coming forward about it. Um, there was, the district did an investigation. The investigation was flawed. Um, the other woman who had reported sexual harassment as well, there was also an investigation into her complaint and uh, uh, just, the investigation process and the report is just horrific in her case as well. Um, she was slut shamed and all kinds of other like absurdities in, in the investigation report in the report that was done on um, the harassment and retaliation that I uh, brought to light. Um, the investigator uh, interviewed the commissioner who sexually harassed me and asked him why he sent me pornographic photos via email and the only excuse he had or his response I should say was that because I'm a lesbian it was okay to send it to me and that was just such a homophobic comment on his part but I don't think he even realized that and he just freely admitted that to the investigator doing the investigation. And anyway, you'd have to read the whole report, but it's, um, it's deeply flawed, the report and the, and currently there's, um, there's an ongoing investigation into some of the retaliation that's occurred since I came forward about the sexual harassment. Well, I, I appreciate you giving the outline. Um, it, it's it's been a high cost for the district, and it's probably before you. Um, one of the main incidents um, of the board itself um, has been the dysfunctionality of the board itself, and this was really prior to you even um, being a, uh, elected to the board. 
Um, so as an outside observer um, and, and also a person as an advocate to try to get to justice, how can the board best serve the community in a more organized and orderly fashion? I know a couple of times, I, I remember over time that there was uh, seminars and everything that was set up to try to uh, inst- use Robert's Rules of Order and try to coexist in collaboration. Um, I noticed with listening to that April April 15th meeting that there seemed to be an overabundance of, at least it, it appeared, a politeness and willingness to listen to fellow commissioners. Obviously, um, you were on a you were on a uh, rail car that you needed to to get the message out because you were still upset about what didn't take place um, in regards to the commissioner. So how can how can we uh, have a little bit more balance board balance equity from your eyes? Well, I think when you have a harbor commissioner. Um, or a candidate for for elected office um, who chooses to send pornographic photos to an elected official and does so after um, inviting that person. Well, I'll just speak about myself. I mean, what happened to me was Herbert Commissioner Tom Matouche sent me pornographic photos, and he did this about two weeks after he invited me on an all-expense-paid trip to Tanzania, Africa, to camp in a tent with him while he was safari hunting. Now, you can imagine that when he ran this great idea of his past me, that I was, like, completely shocked, and I just looked at him like, what are you talking about? Like, seriously, you're inviting me? I'm an out lesbian, happily married uh, not to mention a vegetarian who occasionally eats fish. You're inviting me on a safari trip to Africa. Like, w- what about your wife, Tom? I mean, that's literally what I said. And his response was, oh, well, I'm not going to tell her, you know. And and I said, well, I'm going to tell my wife what you said. And he said, why would you do that, you know. And this is the mentality of this person that I've been serving with for years. And, and so after the invite to, to Africa, which certainly was never going to happen, he then responded or he then reacted by, you know, so I basically turned him down um, vehemently, but then he reacted to that two weeks later by sending me a pornographic email with multiple photos that are, you know, incredibly disturbing and demeaning to women. And I don't know what motivates him. I don't know why he made those choices, but it was completely inappropriate. And there have, there has not been any consequences for his behavior whatsoever. Not any. And after that, what did the what did the board what did the board itself do um, when you registered your complaint about this inappropriate behavior um, from the commissioner? They sided with him. They sided with him, even okay. though everybody has seen the email. You've seen the email. The email is published in the Half Moon Bay Review, but it's been redacted, so there's black bars across the most delicate 
Im- parts of the images or whatever. But I still, even with even with the redactions, I would not recommend anyone showing it to children. I mean, it's totally inappropriate. But it was published in the Half Moon Bay Review, so um, you know it's out there. I mean, a lot of people have seen it, and I think that at the time, um, if people. Uh, maybe people, maybe the Me Too movement hadn't caught up with everybody yet. I don't really know, but there was just an under response. And in fact, the board became angry with me for bringing it up. And some, somehow I was to blame because I thought it was important to, to um, make a complaint about it, especially in light of the fact that there was a pattern of sexual harassment at the district. And it wasn't the first time that I'd experienced sexual harassment at the district. So, um, you know, that's kind of what happened. And I think that so it, um, it, it, had the board taken action, had the board done what we should have done, which is update our sexual harassment policies, um, make it clear that that sort of behavior was completely inappropriate and could never happen again. You know, it, he should have apologized. He refused to apologize, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, had all of those things happen that should have happened, we would be in an entirely different place today. Right. I appreciate you explaining this. And I also uh, recall looking in the newspaper at first, he denied uh, denied the allegation to begin with. And then um, the emails and the photos surfaced. And then he changed his story. Wasn't that, that the case? Yeah, he, he was not honest. He said that he didn't. He repeatedly said that he did not send the email with the, with the pornographic images. He told... Um, the newspaper that, and he also told um, a reporter with NBC Bay Area that, and it got reported out that he denied uh, sending the email. And then, you know, the email exists. So when it was made clear that it exists, he had no choice but to backpedal and to then admit that he sent it. And he did apologize to the public for sending it, but he never apologized to me for sending it. And that's that was you know, what was, I was asking for. Right. That would seem very reasonable under the circumstances and in any capacity. Um, so on the on the April 15th meeting, um, you you know, the meeting, it was a very lengthy meeting. It was like three and a, three and a half hours. Maybe it was closer to four. Um, what what. What were you trying to, and, and, and the challenge that you had is is that it, it, I'm only looking at it from my perspective, listening to you, listening to that. It appeared that the commissioners all just wanted to move forward and ignore the whole subject. And it didn't, it, and you're, you're in the dynamics of a board that you even had three other women there and they no one really wanted to apparently listen. And I could feel some kind of frustration that you were having then. What 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 was going on in your mind? Um, and obviously, um, some of the publicity wasn't too good for you um, because of the, the despairing words that they they felt that you used. Even though you were really describing the incident more than anything, even though you repeated the the words too. So, what was going on? And, and did you did you feel you accomplished anything when describing the? the harassing email that I received, um, you've seen it, so you know what it looks like. I have to use anatomical words to describe that email. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to use anything, any words that were perceived as um, 
swear words or, you know, anything like that. Um, you know, as a educated person, I fall back on language and anatomical, correct, scientific descriptions of the pornography that was sent to me. Um, I, you know, I have to use language to describe it because I can't very well show the pictures. I mean, that would be completely inappropriate. I wouldn't want to expose people to that, but I do need to be able to talk about it. And because this has been brushed under the rug and not dealt with, and still to this day, we haven't updated our sexual harassment policy. Um, Commissioner Lorenas and I worked really hard to um, make recommenda- recommendations on updates to the harassment policy last year, and the board refused to even vote on it. Um, and no changes were made at all. In fact, it was just removed from the agenda. So I don't know what what all the foot dragging is about and why we can't just move forward and make the changes needed to clean up our act. And, you know, that's something that's just obvious. Um, So I only have, you know, I only have certain tools I can use to communicate about what happened to me and language is is it, really. And I don't don't think there's any reason why I shouldn't. When, you know, something, something really awful happens in a family, like say there's sexual assault or incest or something really ugly happens and that gets buried, it's not healthy. And, you know, like elder I would abuse, like, like elder abuse too. Yeah. Something like that. And when that stuff gets hidden and brushed under the rug and covered up, you end up with a very unhealthy situation and that's not a good base to build a, a strong, you know, board on. And so, um, you know, these issues need to get addressed. And the best way to do that is by doing things like updating our sexual harassment policy. I think that's a reasonable thing to request. And um, eventually, you know, there'll be new people serving on the board, there'll be a different board dynamic. And, you know, my hope is always that um, everybody serves and works in the best interest of the district. Well, you've got seven months left. What what would you like to accomplish in those seven months? Well, um, unfortunately, COVID has really put a wrench in some things. Uh, I would have loved to have seen us put together another um, safety summit in Half Moon Bay. And that was something that, that I um, was really hoping could happen because it was such a success and so many people weren't able to attend um, last year. But unfortunately, we're not going to be having any events like that. Um, I would hope that we would be able to continue with some of the construction projects that we've got going. Um, There is a lot of infrastructure, maintenance, and work that needs to happen. I'd love to see Johnson Pier renovated to benefit our commercial fishing fleet. And we have some big plans for making some changes to the pier. So I'm hoping that that moves forward. And eventually, once COVID is uh, behind us, you know, I hope we can get back to some of the events that we're doing. And then other improvements are um, West Shoreline Trail access, which is the trail out to uh, Mavericks Beach, is um, experiencing some pretty heavy erosion that needs to get handled. And we've got um, engineers working on plans to fix that now. So I'm hoping that that project uh, could get underway. You know, we've got the sand replenishment surfers beach project, which um, we're continuing to work on, and that's important. 
And uh, then a restroom project at Surfers Beach is also something that's in the works that I've um, been advocating for many, many years for. So um, if we could put that restroom in, that would be of great service to kids who are participating in the um, surf camp programs that are put on by Brown Girl Surf and City Surf Project and other nonprofits and um, just everybody that that likes to use Surfers Beach really needs a, um, a clean restroom. So we're hoping that that can get done. Um, and then eventually, you know, while I've served, um, we were able to get the property um, next to the post office in El Granada for a future administrative building. And I'd love to see us eventually as a district have an administrative building. And, I, you know, I don't see that happening while while I'm still serving, but hopefully eventually down the road. Um, so I think there's a lot of great work ahead and we have excellent staff. Um, we, there's been a lot of transition in staff over the last few years uh, with, with uh, people retiring and new people coming on board and it's a really great team. So I'd like to see the district um, continue in that direction and the board focus more on how to serve the public versus, um, you know, how to cover up sexual harassment and retaliation. Well, on behalf of Podcast by the Bay, Sabrina Brennan, we were excited to have the opportunity to interview you. Keep up the good work, and we look forward to hearing from you again, and we look forward to seeing what you're going to do in the county. Uh, is there any thoughts of running for uh, future election? Have you, have you decided to uh, run for another office? I am so looking forward to running my business and especially with, um, you know, the challenges with COVID-19, I really can't wait till business starts up again. So that's where I'm going to be putting my energy and no, I have no plans whatsoever of running for office. Um, I feel like I put in um, I put in more than my fair share and <laughs> and I encourage new people because we need new energy and new points of view um, to get involved in uh, local elections and running for special district boards and city councils. And as hard as it can be and as challenging as it can be, um, you know, it's it's important work and it needs to be done. And, you know, I encourage people to do it. Thanks again, Sabrina, for serving. We appreciate it. Thanks from Podcast by the Bay. Appreciate you. Okay, take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. You can contact us by email at podcastbythebay.com at gmail.com podcast by the bay is a production of bay city communications and is sponsored by liberty realty liberty realty serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com all material and content is property of podcast by the bay but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. You can follow us on Twitter, at Podcast by the Bay as our handle, 
or on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast by the bay. And remember, you can listen to any of our episodes anytime on any podcast site. Until next time, stay tuned. <laughs>